Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the State of Innovation podcast powered by the Illinois Science and Technology Coalition. I'm Matt Bragg, director of ISTC. Uh, and today we have a great episode with Yele Adele Kuhn, who is a uh, professor in DePaul's College of Computing and Digital Media, uh, but also founder of DePaul's ID Lab, which is a really innovative uh, model for connecting the university and its students uh, with industry partners and, and really doing some uh, innovative work with those industry partners. Um, so we talk about Yele's uh, personal uh, story growing up in Nigeria, uh, becoming interested in uh, computing and information systems uh, before moving to Finland uh, and then landing uh, here in the U.S. And, and luckily for the state of Illinois, landing in Chicago at, at DePaul University. Um, so we talk about some of his research interest in um, information systems and uh, particularly uh, IT outsourcing. Uh, which has really been the work that helped uh, lead him to found the ID Lab at DePaul uh, and really understanding how IT outsourcing uh, has been able to, you know, create innovation communities both here in the U.S. and around the world uh, and the way that Yele has been able to leverage that research uh, to create a really innovative uh, and groundbreaking model for uh, university collaboration with industry. Uh, in particular, getting students involved in that collaboration uh, and doing so in a way that's um, really impactful for industry members, um, but also a tremendous experience for students at DePaul um, and, and one that's really led to um, you know, fantastic opportunities for students uh, to go on after graduation and, and get you know, really great jobs and, and launch their careers. Um, you know, and, and the, the list of companies that the ID Lab uh, has been able to work with is, is really tremendous. So I think it shows the value of um, what the ID Lab is doing, not only as, um, you know, an opportunity for students, but uh, really an impactful and worthwhile opportunity for industry members as well. Um, so without any further ado, here's my conversation with Yele. Yele Adele Kuhn, welcome to the State of Innovation podcast. Thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me. I'm honored. Thanks for doing a great job, you and Colin. Great. Well, I, I want to thank you for joining me. And um, where we typically start with these podcasts is we get into a little bit about your personal background, you know, where you've come from and, and how you've gotten to where you are today and, and all the great things you're working on. So uh, if you wouldn't mind, take us all the way back to kind of your origin story and, and how you ended up, you know, working in uh, at DePaul there and in, in the College of uh, uh, Computing and Digital Media. Yeah. Well, um, Matt, thank you for again for having me. Uh, that would take a long time for us to go, <laughs> to go through all of that. Maybe we need uh, days for that, but uh, let me see how I can make that brief. Um, so I'm originally from Nigeria, and I started my studies at one of the leading universities in Nigeria, um, University of Ife, studying uh, chemistry and um, things changes in my life. I transfer to University of Lagos, another top leading university in the country. So I've been privileged to went to all the top universities at that time, um, but still studying chemistry. <clears throat> and then um, 
My roommate at that time was studying computer science. I have no idea what computer science is, but I was curious. And he has all these codes and, you know, he would print out this, his program. And I would ask him, what is this? It's just a bunch of letters. And, and he would explain it to me. And I got so uh, interested in, so I switched, long story short, I switched from being a chemistry major to uh, computer science. So I've been in sciences all along, but, uh, that experience with my roommate uh, kind of switched my direction to, to computer science. And um, then I joined um, an international association called ISEC. At that time, I became the president of the organization. Um, I would call it a race job. I raised a couple of jobs in the country um, for people outside um, the country. So we brought in few students from Europe to Nigeria to come and work with some companies in Nigeria at that time. And I raised a couple of those jobs for them to come. What that does for me um, um, was that it also allowed me to be able to go and work abroad. So I got a job in Finland. Uh, so it's called it it an exchange program. Someone come to work for a company in Nigeria and I get to go work for a company outside anywhere else in the world. So I, and then um, when I got to Finland, I just, um, obviously I did that job and I enjoyed it very well at University of Olu in Finland. And uh, I did my master's there in information systems, um, dipped my feet a little bit into software engineering, um, then went back to the part of information systems. And then I was really fortunate I got into I want to say the leading research center in computer science in the country at that time uh, with full scholarship. Um, I think I was more lucky than smart. <laughs> um, but I was pretty lucky I got in and that opened a whole lot of doors for me. Um, uh, my research at that time as a PhD student was on uh, information system quality. And I will come to MIT once or twice a year as a PhD student, working with all the you know best brain in the world in MIT. And um, towards the end of my program, I get an offer from one of the collaborators that comes that's doing research on eyes on quality. Uh, they focus mostly on data quality, but my focus was on information system quality, especially ERP systems at that time. Call long story short, I, uh, I was invited to join uh, WPI, which is a leading engineering school in Massachusetts, uh, Worcester Polytechnic Institute. People outside Worcester call it Worcester, uh, but people there call it Worcester. So I, I was there for a while and um, eventually got an offer from DePaul. And um, I remember coming to Chicago for the first time. I've never been to Chicago. I've been to many cities around the East Coast and maybe Southern states, but never to Chicago. So uh, 20 something years ago, I came to Chicago for the first time. And lucky for me, I came in summer, right? It was beautiful. Like <laughs> it was like beautiful city. I mean, I preferred it to New York. And I was like, this is amazing. So when I got the offer, I'm like, yes, that's it. Um, 
you know, so I, I joined the Paul. So that's a very long story um, about how I ended up in, at the Paul. Yeah, well, I certainly appreciate you taking us all the way back and, and telling that great story. And I know, you know, from our point of view, we're certainly glad you landed at DePaul and in Chicago because uh, we're, we're very proud to have you. Um, but I want, I want um, you to maybe explain a little bit more about your research and, you know, kind of dumb it down for us that, that don't live in this world of, of computing and information systems. So maybe if you can give us uh, kind of in layman's terms what your research focuses on and, and what the applications for it are. Uh, I've done... I have several research areas. Uh, one is telemedicine. So I have a PhD student finishing in telemedicine. We, we started, I started that research area like a couple of years back, privileged enough to get a grant with uh, some research club partners, uh, Rosalind Franklin University. We got several hundred thousand dollars. We did some project in Haiti. So I was going to Haiti almost every other month during that research time. Uh, we put up some really good infrastructure there for for us to do uh, diabetic foods. Um, I don't know if I want to go deep into that, but uh, long story short, uh, we were able to treat using telemedicine techniques and strategy patients in Haiti uh, that they would have amputated their leg off because those won't typically end up in amputation. About through our intervention, they actually get healed, which was huge for them. And so I started doing that then, um, you know, so that's one research area. Uh, I'm not doing a lot in that for other reasons, but I'm still keep, keeping that going. Before that, I did research on information system quality, which was my PhD. Then I switched from that to outsourcing, which led me to where I'm doing right now. I'm on the board of the Chicago chapter of IAOP, which is the largest uh, outsourcing organization in the world with over 50,000 members. I've been on the board for close to 10 years um, actively in that. Anyway, uh, my other research interest in the, in the practitioner world or in the industry has taken over most of my research activity lately. Uh, and that's what led me to um, um, the research I've been doing in, in the past six or seven years, which is on IT cluster. Um, um, so I said, okay, take a story, take a few steps back so, so I can, so the audience listening to this can understand. Um, I also did some research on global IT, where we would take students to Brazil, Argentina, South Africa, trying to understand what does technology outside the US looks like? What do they do? Who does it work? You know, all that kind of stuff. But towards the end of that research, one of the things we, we learned very quickly was that most of these companies outside the US, they're trying to behave like Silicon Valley. So all these countries are building clusters. And that's where the cluster research comes into place. They're building clusters that they're trying to mimic the idea of Silicon Valley. So we, so, so, so we said that why are we studying what is going on outside the US when we can actually study the biggest cluster in the world, which is the Silicon Valley cluster. So about six years ago, we switched our focus on Silicon Valley IT cluster. Uh, cut long story short, a couple of things came out of that. Um, one of the things we learned is you can 
study Silicon Valley without noticing the huge amount of innovation that goes out of that place. It's very innovative uh, space, a lot of innovation. Uh, so that is one outcome. The other outcome that come from that study is the degree of collaboration between uh, the universities and, and the companies. So uh, there's a lot of relationship and partnership going on between Google and Stanford, Facebook and Stanford, Barclay and all these, you know, all these companies. One of the companies we visited, I think they had several PhD students at Stanford in data science um, using their data for their research, data from the company for their research. So the company is benefiting immensely, massively from this research. So they have professors, they have students, they have PhD students working on, on their stuff using their data. So it's like an amazing opportunity for this company. Whatever they pay these students for their PhD is nothing compared to what they're getting in return. I mean, imagine you have all these top brain professors working on your stuff because they're using your data and some other discoveries. So, um, so those are a couple of outcomes from our research and we noticed some other things I don't need to get into, but that's what led to what I'm doing now, kind of take priority on what I'm doing now with the ID lab and doing that at DePaul. I don't know if that answers all the questions, but that is pretty much what got me to what I'm doing now from research standpoint. I, I hope I explain it in later. Yeah, yeah no, that, that was really helpful. And I think, you know, so much of, of what you're doing and, and why I think we were so interested in, in talking to you was, you know, that interaction between industry um, and universities and, and sort of leveraging the strengths of both sides to, you know, help everybody, right, and, and create new innovation. And um, I want to get to what you're doing with the ID Lab. Um, but first, I want to talk a little bit about um, the College of Computing and Digital Media at DePaul, um, which I think, you know, having the computing side and the digital media together uh, is maybe something that's a little bit unique to DePaul. So I'm wondering if you can just give us an overview of the college and, and kind of what makes it unique uh, from a national perspective as you look at uh, computing programs. Yeah. So um, I joined DePaul um, CDM now, but at that time it was CTI, uh, College of uh, Computing, Telecommunication and Information Systems. Uh, at that time, so long time ago, I cannot tell you how long I've been at DePaul. Um, but the reason I brought that up is because one thing that is really very good about the school is the, how innovative the school is itself. It keep on evolving, keep on changing with the changes in, in, the, in the business environment. Uh, for example, there is a huge computing that goes into Hollywood now. Like if you watch any Hollywood movies, it's a lot of digital effects, a lot of animation. Uh, gaming industry is massive, billions of dollars, and it's all computer uh, programming and application. And who is best to lead all those, if not the College of Computing, right? So one good thing about this too, why I really like it is that they've evolved, they even changed the name to, to kind of reflect the changes in business environment. So it's not just the College of Computing anymore, but we had gaming, we added animation, we added some other cool stuff, but we still have depth and strength around things like 
software engineering, which is like a core strength, uh, computer science, obviously, uh, data science, data analytics. And uh, we've added other programs like UI UX. So if you look at most of the leading Silicon Valley companies, uh, they really spend a lot of time on user experience and, and, and customer experience and designing. So, so you have a school that have a, a, a very broad breadth of degree programs around comp computing, generally speaking, and depth in each area. So that really makes um, uh, CDM, College of Digital Media now, um, uh, one of the best in the country as far as I'm concerned, not just in Chicago, when it comes to the, the, the whole breadth of computer science. Um, and now we're even adding other new, other new areas like robotics and things. I mean, it's, this, that's new. We have outstanding professors doing research in that area. So that is about the, the college that I'm in, College of Digital Media. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's helpful. And, you know, I, I think it's it's really uh, important what you said there about the college, you know, being innovative itself, right, and, and sort of updating with the times, right, and, and sort of carving out that niche of combining computing with digital media, uh, and all of the things going on there, because as you mentioned, it's a, you know, it's a huge field that's growing. So being able to kind of plant a flag there to say, hey, we're, we're doing that, and we're leading it through computing, I think is really cool. Yeah. Um, but I do want to get back to a little bit of that industry engagement piece, because, you know, obviously that's one of our core missions at ISTC, right, is to yeah. bring industry together with universities to yeah. try to create new innovations that mm -hmm. lead to, you know, new startup companies uh, and new jobs, right, yeah. and, and help the state that way. So, um, you know, obviously your work with um, you know, studying how, um, you know, innovations can be created by leveraging the strengths of industry and, and university research uh, has led you to, to found the ID lab there at DePaul. So I would love for you to tell us, you know, how that came about and then, you know, give us an overview of the ID lab and, and all the work that you're doing there. Okay, sure. I would love to do that. Um, you know, I think I'm actually very lucky in some degree and privileged that I'm, I'm doing what I love to do. Um, so what led to the whole Silicon Valley project was uh, my research on global, I'm, I teach a class on global IT also, and, and been lucky to be able to go and see what I teach. So we go to like the countries we are interested in South America, some African countries We go and see what it is the literature is telling us and take some students with me and meet with this company, with these people doing this stuff. And as we start absorbing things, it's like, okay, what do you mean we need to now start looking at what is actually going on in the US more and more, which is Silicon Valley. And then we discover some new things and we notice that they are more innovative and but they don't do it just by themselves. There is most of this innovation coming not just from Google and Facebook and, and Microsoft, it's coming also outside of those organizations. For example, Microsoft have what is called Microsoft Garage. And we've been there, I've taken my student to the garage and you know, talking to the people working, which is part of the research. We go there, we talk to these people. And, and I remember the guy who was hosting us on one of our trips was like, you know, we actually opened the garage to the community. So if you are a high school student and you are interested in building stuff, 
using building applications, building, you know, whatever it is. You can come here and use the garage. You just need to book the time. So they open things up. But then you will see other things like partnership with the universities and, and all that. So my kind of work kind of influence, kind of build on, build on itself to, to the point that I am. But also, um, as I said, I'm on the board of the IAOP, which stands for the International Association of Outsourcing Professionals, the Chicago chapter. And I've been doing research on outsourcing for, for, for some time. Um, I also teach a class on IT outsourcing. And so when you combine those together, you start asking the question, for example, you're asking why are these Silicon Valleys uh, doing a lot of innovation with other people? Why are they bringing other people? Um, and what exactly do they do uh, to promote innovation? And, and what are some of the outcomes? And it, it was, it's very obvious why they do some of these things. Um, uh, for example, um, there's a lot of great ideas coming outside the company, right? And of course, they have a lot of great ideas, but it's a lot more great ideas coming outside. For example, customers. Customer can say, you know, this sounds really good, but we would like to do this, and that could lead to a new product or a complementary product. And but one of the things we learned from what we do that led to the development of the ID Lab was that precisely based on what we studied in Silicon Valley was that the degree of relationship between some of these companies in Silicon Valley and the universities in Silicon Valley area, Stanford, Berkeley, and all of them, uh, it's so tight. Like, I haven't seen anything like that in Chicago, to be honest. I mean, I it may exist, but I haven't seen it. So I, when we came back, I said that it would be nice if we have something like this. And because I already have a good knowledge of how outsourcing works, I'm, I'm in the field, I have a lot of connection to a lot of companies. So in the IOP, um, my network, all the Fortune 50, Fortune 100 companies in Chicago are part of that. So I have people I can call. I can say, John, let's go to lunch. I have this idea, what do you think? And overwhelmingly, when I present the idea of what we do now in the lab to them, overwhelmingly they all supported it. So one of the questions I ask them is, tell me about your innovation portfolio. How many things do you have in your portfolio of innovation, what you would like to do? And they would go about telling me, you know, and I say, okay, this sounds really, really good. How many did you get done in the last 12 months, in the last one year? And they would say, maybe one, at most two. I'm like, why? Why don't, how do you know what is, what is going to happen with the, the idea number seven, the idea number eight in that portfolio? Do you know if it's going to change the world? We went, we visited a company in Silicon Valley. I can't mention the name of the company. At that time, they were about $100 million um, in value. It's relatively small, but doing well. Um, another company, which was a startup, approached them because this company have everything this company needs to kind of take off, like take off the ground. They showed them the door because they are like little. I won't say the name of the company, but that company today, it's several billion dollars. Like, 
So I'd like to tell them that story that, you know, I'll tell you one of my experiences, like, how do you know what is in idea number seven? Why don't you just experiment on it? You're going to spend a few thousand dollars, and if it doesn't go anywhere, you shut it down. And if it goes anywhere, it might be the next big thing. And they all love the idea. One, their number one reason why they couldn't experiment on many of their great ideas was, one, they can't get to it. They spread things. They got so much things to do, they just can't get to it. Um, two, it's, it's expensive. It's expensive to experiment. Actually, if, if, if you can't do it yourself, if you have to do it with the leading consulting company, the Deloitte of the world, you know, it's expensive. So they won't do it. So I said, have you thought of doing some of this with the university? And it's like, how, you know, how, how are we going to do that? I'm like, well, that's why I'm having this lunch with you. <laughs> I can show you how, because I know how, right? I can show you how this could be done. I said, well, it's never been done. So yeah, maybe it's never been done. That is because all this time, the corporate university relationship has been very narrow. You think about university as where you go to bring in some interns during the summer, or you do some class projects. You limit yourself, your thinking to this, to this, to this block, to these silos. There are other ways to engage the university, and they talked about IP. I'm like, don't worry about IP. You keep the IP, which, by the way, is not something the university likes um, <laughs> because the university want to keep some of the IP. But you know, the approach we have right now is that we want to bring those ideas to the university so students can work on those ideas they know about the ideas. It's beneficial to the students, it helps them to get jobs, it's beneficial to the companies, they get to move their innovation agenda forward. Uh, everybody, everybody benefits. Um, we work, and I was talking, we work with one company that gave us something really, really uh, innovative work, project to work on. Um, it's not free, by the way, we charge money for this. Um, but I mean, we're relatively inexpensive compared to the big companies. Um, the students that work on this project have to sign a non-compete agreement, uh, an NDA, obviously, that they can't take a job with about 46 companies defined to be in that space with them. So you can't work and get it and go get a job with a company on this list so you have to know that for the next one and a half years after graduation you can't work in this space because you know too much that's the kind of stuff we do and that really changes the nature of uh corporate university partnership which is never been done i love it i think it's great it's breaking new barriers for everyone yeah, and, and I want to go back to what you said about, you know, the typical university company engagement being very narrow. I think that's a great way to describe it, right? I mean, I think so often, even with some of the biggest universities that we work with in the state, right? It's, you know, they find a professor who likes to work with industry that's in a very narrow technology area. Um, and that may be the only real engagement they have with the entire university, mm -hmm. right? Even very big companies and, and very big universities where uh, there might be more potential to collaborate, 
Mm -hmm. Um, But it ends up being very narrow because that's just kind of how they've been able to figure out how to do it, right? So I think so much of our work and, and why the ID lab um, you know, concept is is so innovative um, as we look at, you know, kind of the the suite of, of programs that universities and companies are trying to do in this space um, is just that reason, right? I mean, being able to, to kind of, um, you know, put forth a menu, if you will, of services to, to corporations to say, hey, what are you working on? We can help you, um, I think is so important. Yeah. Um, so I do also want to hit on that piece Matt, about- do you mind, um, Matt, do you mind if I actually do comment on that really? Because that's really yeah. an important piece of what we do. If you think about many universities that actually have an innovation lab, right? Or maybe they have, um, um, uh, an incubator or an accelerator, but for most part, it's one directional. They are, they have, and they do have a lot of smart people in the university. We do. They have a lot of really great ideas in the university, but overwhelmingly, the goal is to push these ideas out, to to turn this into corporation, to sell it into big companies. They make money out of it or grow into a company, and that there's nothing wrong with that. It's great. What, what is missing in this equation is sometimes there's some amazing idea in the corporation that if we bring it into the university, it's going to actually uh, involve a lot more complex com- combinations. So that idea from that professor or that student plus bringing in the UI UX for designing, or maybe there is a need for us to bring in the data science people and do some really robust data analytics on the same idea. Now, we're not just pushing one idea from one professor on robotics out. We're bringing idea from a company that we did both robotics, UI, UX, data science, all working together to bring this one idea into, into um, commercialization or into uh, production. And, that, that is what we are, absor- we are discovering that the starting point doesn't need to be the university. The starting point could be from the corporation to the university and then back, in, back into the real world. We, we kind of changes what we do in the lab compared to what we see in other, in other um, places. Yeah, and I, you, I think you hit the nail on the head there with that kind of push, right? Uh, and we talk about that a lot in the work that we do, kind of the approach of universities where, you know, a, a researcher has an innovation and they're pushing it out to industry, yeah. right? Yeah. Either to, to license it or if no one wants to license it, to start their own company mm-hmm. uh, to pursue it. And how can we shift that, you know, so it's instead of pushing, we're pulling. Yeah, right. exactly. we're pulling in ideas from industry and mm-hmm. working on those because we know industry is already interested in those yeah, exactly. because we've pulled them in from industry already. Yeah. So that can really, you know, be leveraged to, to create these collaborations that are more, you know, they're more intertwined because yeah. the corporation already has, you know, exactly. a vested interest yeah. in seeing yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. And seeing yeah. it be successful. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I did want to hit on also. One of the things that, that I think is great about the ID lab is that, you know, a lot of times when we talk about, you know, universities being engaged with industry, it's, you know, one or two professors, right, as I mentioned, or it's, it's very senior, um, you know, researchers who have developed this network of industry contacts and, um, you know, they've, they've developed that over 
years or even decades uh, to kind of create those relationships. Um, but what I think is really interesting about what you're doing is, you know, you're pulling an industry to work directly with students, yeah. right? Th those are the ones that are working on these projects. So yeah. um, I, I wonder if you can tell us a little bit about how you leverage students to, to work on this and then how, you know, the industry members benefit from working with those students. Oh, tremendously. Uh, and I think I can mention the name of the company. I don't see any reason why not. Allstate, you know, <laughs> it's one of our partners. We have a lot of leading partners uh, in the in the lab. By the way, we have all the top um, 50 companies in the state of Illinois working with us uh, across different industries. We're very privileged to, to have that. But Allstate was very clear when it came to the lab. Um, and the director of innovation at that time uh, was very, very clear. He said, Yele, look, I want to work with you on these innovative ideas because I know um, you have amazing students. We do. We do have really outstanding students um, in, in CDM, in, in DePaul as a whole. And one of my reasons for doing this is I want to change the way I do recruiting. So typical recruiting, they come on campus, they interview a few students, and then, you know, hopefully they find the right fit, and then they, you know, they hire that student. That is so old school. <laughs> you know, if, if I want to hire a bunch of talent, right, I will give them real, and you know, there's a big, huge difference between a classroom project and a real project. Like we're talking like with part of your, with part of your, development team. Uh, I'm going to go off tangent for a little bit. We did a project for a large uh, European company based here in the US, huge billion dollar company. It's a year long project. We built it into, into three different phases. And uh, the, the reason I brought it up is the team we're working with in this company, they have development team in Mexico, in, in I think China and, and the US. So my students are part of a bigger real team. And the, the, the aspect of the work we're doing is really very important. By the way, when we finished, the, the head of this corporation said, it's in English, I need this translated to Chinese right away. It's, it's really that robust for the Chinese team to, to use. Anyway, Allstate was very clear. It's like, I'm gonna give you a project for multiple reasons. First of all, this is very important to us. But secondly, I wanna hire these students. If this student can solve this problem, I don't need to kind of go through the ridiculous interview process. I know who they are. I can hire them right, and that's what they did. They did hire some of, in fact, the one project, I don't want to talk about it. The, uh, one of the engineers that worked on it was hired before we even finished the project. But this story is everything for us. Like the, the, the European company, I didn't mention this name. The, again, the lead software engineer was offered multiple positions. Um, Deloitte, I think I can say it, Deloitte, yeah. <laughs> they came to the lab, grabbed a number of, of students that are working on other company projects that they love, that they, you know, they have some of their clients, they know about it, they came to the lab. So it really changes the nature of. Um, corporate university relationship because company actually want talent, they need the talent. And what better way to get a talent by actually working with them. And in some cases, developing them. They don't need to, they don't need to have all the knowledge, but they have the energy, they, they, they are hungry to learn. 
and you have an opportunity to mentor them and guide them, almost they are, on day one, they are performing better than other people that have, don't have this experience. So uh, I think it's really an amazing opportunity for the corporations, uh, amazing opportunity for the students and for the university to extend how we teach people, you know, the, the old way of, 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 um, of teaching or learning is getting old, <laughs> you know, it's just, we need to kind of start solving real problem in the university environment because we have the talent, we have the students, we have the professors, we have the researchers, nothing, stop, nothing should make this impossible for us to do. And everybody benefits if we do it right. Yeah, and I, I totally agree. And I think one of the things that's really cool about it is providing those students this very, very real world, you know, immersive experience before they graduate is so important for, you know, because everybody wins, right? The student yeah. gets to understand yeah. what it's like to work for one of these companies. Yeah. The company gets essentially a try before you buy period, yeah, right? Exactly. If they like the students, then hey, yeah, of course Maybe we'll hire them. Drive it for like <laughs> a week. If you don't like it, bring you back, take another cargo. You know, right, can, exactly. Yeah. And, and, you know, from a state perspective, was, as we look at Illinois, I think one of the things that is so important to us is retaining the talent that we're producing here yeah. right at places like DePaul so if we can have them work with a company that's based in Illinois um, before they graduate I think what we've seen is that they're a whole heck of a lot more likely to go work for that company yeah. right so it, and it really gives them an opportunity to understand what are the employment options you know, in this region for me once I graduate. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. it's such a, you know, win, win, win for everybody that I, I think it's great. Um, one more thing before we go, I have to ask you, um, you know, what's next for the ID lab? What are some of your goals moving forward? Where do you see things kind of evolving over the next five or 10 years or so? I'm glad you asked that question. You know, um, I have an amazing board of directors, like really outstanding. You go to our website, you see the the board of directors. There are several um, C-level people there. Um, uh, Patrick Kimons is now leading the board, which is doing a great job. And, and he, with the board, rest of the board and, and myself, we started um, strategizing or re-strategizing the direction the, the, the lab is gonna go in the, in the next coming years. We are actually in the process of redesigning and, and reframing the strategy of, of the lab. So um, we're not done yet with that process. So I think it might change, but if you ask me uh, personally, um, outside the work we're doing, redesigning um, the, the strategy, and I'm not saying this is exactly gonna be the same. The, the, the lab is very creative, uh, the board is very creative and I'm very grateful to the work they're doing. Um, I, I see us growing deeper in these three core areas that we actually been working on. Obviously, most of our works has been on development, software development or data analytics. So we did a huge um, design work for a major pharmaceutical company that um, um, I can't get into the details, but that's been our core, data science, UI, UX, and software development, mobile app, web-based app. Uh, I think in the next few years, we're gonna do, so 
we typically stop around MVP, prototype MVP. I, I believe in future, we might actually team up with a company and maybe help them spin off a whole idea from ideation to commercialization. You know, we get it into production instead of turning it over to them at MVPs. Like, what if we help you take this all the way to commercial product? What would that be like? And then that might change the nature of the, the, the deal with the university. I know the university would definitely want to, you know, be part, take a bit some of that success, you know, to some, but we're not there yet. So that is one dimension. The other, the other thing I think may happen in as we, you know, see the future for the lab is, is research. Uh, we did a research project for um, another pharmaceutical company, um, um, Abbott Labs, one of our partners. By the way, a quick plug into Abbott Labs, it's been amazing support of the ID Lab. They've been supporting our program events, sponsoring our, um, our project, which is really, I'm very grateful to Abbott Labs. Um, um, we did a research project for them on one of the things they worked on, which is really amazing. We learned a lot researching what they did and it was good for, for everybody. Uh, and we're not doing enough in that space. We, that is like one-off. And I look back at, at what we did, I'm like, why are we not doing more of this? Why can't we do more industry-focused research that benefit the client and benefit us because we also learn a lot and you know, it's, it's good for everybody, it's good for the student. So if you are a student, you wanna get deeper into research and you don't wanna go the corporate route, you, know, you, you have a really good base, but you're not just doing the pure academic research of theory, you're doing industry-focused research, and you know there's a lot of research company out there. So that's one dimension that we could grow. Um, the third dimension is is I don't know how much growth is in, is there for us. Um, we've been doing a lot of workshops. I don't know if you ever participated in our ODI Optimized Digital Innovation Conference. It's an annual conference. We bring about close to 200 people more than 50 companies to, to the university. And it's, it's over our last, in 2020, it was all virtual over two days. Um, we, we've talked about various um, extension of that. Uh, one of the extension is we've been doing some training for, for, our, for our partners around design thinking. Um, um, we, we do this, what we call distinguished lecture series, where we bring in um, um, guest speakers. Uh, so in the, last, in the last few months, we brought in the chief data scientist from Caterpillar to the lab. Uh, the global CIO of Basta will be speaking in the lab next week. Um, uh, the CIO of Apple Lab will be speaking. Some other C-level executive will be coming to our lab to speak and we bring in some senior managers, depending on what topic it is, we bring in different people into the lab. I don't know how much we, we're gonna be doing that because that is more of uh, knowledge for us. Uh, we wanna make sure we understand the problem in the industry, what you, you know, and all that kind of stuff. But I think in future, you're gonna, again, the board of the ID lab is, is re-strategizing uh, the direction for the lab, and I'm very, very grateful to them. 
Um, so we, we see, but if you, this is just my personal view, not, not to say this is what is going to happen, but hopefully they will agree with me. And um, in some of this, I'm not saying I'm right. You know, hopefully they will see some of these things. And But I love working with them. They've really been very helpful. So it's smart for me or wise for me to listen to all their advice. Otherwise, you don't need them on the board. I mean, they have to bring in some value and they do bring in a lot of value, which is why I'm really excited about the work they're doing right now, trying to create the future of the lab. Yeah. And I think, you know, just given how innovative you've been thus far and how nimble, right? Because both with um, CDM and the ID lab to kind of, you know, change with the times and, and make sure that you're kind of ahead of the curve, I think has been really impressive. So I have no doubt that you'll, you'll continue that into the future. And I know we're uh, excited to continue to support that effort and, and see where you all go next. Well, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I'm, I'm humbled. I'm honored to, to be doing all this and even working with you and Colleen is, is just a honor for me. So thank you so much. Yeah, of course. And, and I want to thank you for joining the podcast today. It's been a real pleasure talking to you and, and learning about, you know, a little bit more about your background personally, and then uh, all the things that you're working on and, and kind of where the ID lab is heading. All right, cool. <laughs> all right. Thanks, Yale. Thanks, Matt. All right. Bye.